0: أعبد بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين الحمد لله رب العالمين الحمد لله رب العالمين يا ربنا لك الحمد والشكر كما ينبغي لجلالتك وعظيم سلطانك حمدًا كثيرًا طيبًا جزيلاً دائمًا أبدًا مع خلودك يا كريم جز الله عنا سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم ما هو أهله جز الله عنا والدينا خير جزاء جز الله عنا معلمينا خير الجزاء. جزا الله عنّا مشايخنا خير جزى نسألك اللهم يا الله يا الله يا الله يا الله يا, الله يا من أنت ناظر إلينا يا من أنت إلينا يا من أنت, إلينا. يا من أنت إلينا حاضر لدينا يا رحم الراحمين يا, رحم الراحمين. يا, رحم الراحمين. يا ذا الجلال والإكرام يا من تنام العيون وتنكدر النجوم من قيوم لا تأخذك ثنة ولا نوم اللهم إنا نتوجه إليك بنبيك المختار وآله الأخيار أن تكفر اللهم عنا الذنوب والأوزار وأن تدخن اللهم الجنة مع الأبرار يا الله يا عزيز يا غفار اللهم إنا نتوجه إليك بنبيك المصطفى وآله أهل الصدق والوفا أن تكون لنا معينا ومزعفا وأن تبوئنا من الجنة قرفا اللهم رب يخفر لنا ورحمنا وسترنا وانصرنا, وانصرنا أيدنا كلنا لا تكون علينا يا كريم ربنا إننا نتوجه إليك بما تنزلت به على حبيبك المختار سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وآله وصحبه وسلم إلا ما تنزلت علينا في هذه الليلة من الرحمات التي تنزلت بها على قلبه الكريم تجعلنا بذلك من عبيدك المسلمين المؤمنين حقاً المحسنين برحمتك يا أرحم الراحمين برحمتك يا أرحم الراحمين, يا أرحم الراحمين. اللهم إنا نتوجه لك في هذه الساعة أن تجعل اللهم جمعنا هذا جمع مباركاً مرحومة وأن تجعل اللهم تفرقنا من بعده تفرقا معصوما وأن تجعل اللهم فينا ولا معنا ولا منا شقيا ولا محرومة واحرسنا بعينك التي لا تنام وكنبنا بكنفك الذي لا يضام واحفظنا اللهم بك من سطوات الأنام اغفر اللهم لنا بفضلك يا ذا الجلال والإكرام طهر اللهم ألسنتنا من الكذب وقلوبنا من النفاق وأعمالنا من الرياء وأبصارنا من الخيانة فإنك تعلم خائنة الأعين وما تخف الصدور ربنا أهدي نفوسنا تقواها وزكها فإنك أن تخير من زكها رب اغفر وارحم وأن تخير الرحمين رب اغفر وارحم وأن تخير الرحمين رب اغفر وارحم وأن تخير الرحمين تبنا إليك رب من كل شيء لا يرضيك تبنا إليك رب من كل شيء لا يرضيك تبنا إليك رب من كل شيء لا يردك توب عبد ظالم لنفسه ولا حول ولا قوة إلا بك يا رب العالمين رب شرح لي صدري ويسر لي أمري وحل العقدة من لساني يفقه قولي ربي أودعني أن أشكر نعمتك التي أنعمت علي وعلى والدي ونعمل صالحا ترضى وأصلح لي في ذريتي إني تبت إليك وإني من المسلمين صلي وسلم على سيدنا محمد النبي الأمين وآله وسلم سبحان ربك رب العزة عما يصفون وسلام على المرسلين والحمد لله رب العالمين الفاتحة بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم والحمد لله رب العالمين Al-Rahman, Al-Rahim Maliki Yawmi Ad-Din Iyaka Na'budu wa Iyaka Nasta'in Ihdinas Surat Al-Mustaqim Surat Al-Ladheena Naamta Alayhim Ghayri maghdubi Alayhim dallin Amin Alhamdulillah I thank Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala for all that which He has provided for us which we know and which we don't know. And praise be to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for allowing us in this night to be in the mosque for His remembrance. For if it's not His permission that was allowing us to be here, we will not be here. So I thank Allah for that. And I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to allow us to learn from the lessons of the life of Rasulullah for our life so that we can become better people. For indeed, in the study of the seerah of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi there are lessons that can never be compared to any other teaching in the life of the Muslim. You can read anything, you can do anything, but when you look at the seerah, and you look at every occasion, every moment, every time the Prophet Sallallahu did or said something in it, For every person who lives in any generation coming until Qiyamah as a Muslim, there is a lesson for him, for his people, in his time. Mm. And I believe we have a lot of lessons to learn. And today's lesson is continuing from last week's lesson of Ghazwat Badr, Mm. when we discussed what the Prophet (laughs) ﷺ did before beginning that battle in showing the believer that now they need to stand on their own two feet. And they need to be able to be seen that they are not frightened. And that they should not be coward. For indeed, cowardness is not a sign of a believer. We should be courageous. We should be strong. For indeed, Rasulullah so himself said, Al-mu'min al-qawi, khayrun wa ahabba illa min al-mu'min al-da'if. Al-mu'min al-qawi. The believer who is strong is better. Khair is better and more loved wa ahabba And more loved by Allah than the weaker believer. Now, people when they look at this kind of hadith, according to their mashrām, the way they understand and appreciate the religion, they give their interpretation. But in their interpretation as a whole, there is one interpretation. Because the interpretation of everything that the Prophet ﷺ said for the Muslim, or the mu'min, or the muhsin, or any human being, Is total. It's not really for one thing. It's for everything. So there are those who will say al-mumin al-qawi, physical. So they encourage people to go out of their way to exercise and to make their bodies fit and strong, which is true. And we need to do that. However, on the other side, there are those who will say spiritually strong. And it's true. Nothing wrong with that. But we say the whole. You must be physically strong and you must be spiritually strong, physically strong because Rasulullah said in the hadith in Bukhari and your body has a right over you to feed it, to look after it, to clean it, and to care for it, and it is well-being is your responsibility, the well-being of your body is your responsibility. And therefore, he says in the hadith as well, saving your body is better than getting your body in a difficulty and getting sick and then looking for medicine, you might find it or you might not. On the other side, indeed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has encouraged us to strengthen our spiritual side by giving us all the act of worship such as salah, fasting, zakah, hajj, and all the rest, especially the dhikr, to enlighten our spirit and to heighten our stash, station within the past to him, subhanahu wa ta'ala. So Rasulullah encouraged the companion to go out and they managed to travel outside Medina and to go in groups. And subhanallah, until the time came when the Battle of Badr has taken place, when the Mushrikeen were fighting the Prophet after Abu Sufyan has come from Sham with a huge caravan full of goods that he brought for himself and businesses in Mecca. And Rasulullah yani, went and waited for the caravan. And then the Mecca people, when they heard that Abu Sufyan was stopped, they arranged their army which came and the Prophet ﷺ at the world of Badr, started the biggest turning point for Islam. Ghazwat Badr is the biggest turning point for Muslim because in that the truth has been shown that if you have faith you will always win. If you have true faith you will always win. Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran A'ud billahi minash shaitaanir rajeem in tansurullaaha yanṣurukum. In tansurullaaha yanṣurukum wa aqdamakum. If you show Allah victory if you support Allah by supporting yourself in embracing the faith totally, then He will definitely give you the victory that you deserve. Okay? Therefore, our duty is to be with Allah Subh'anaHu wa Taala in every condition and every place. Now when the believers came back to Medina from Badr, they were happy. They were rejoicing. Happy and rejoicing because of the victory they had. And with them, there were many salam, many Mushrikeen who were caught as Asra, okay, captured uh, mushriks who were not submitting to the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and embracing the faith. Rasulullah <laughs> has appointed one of his men called Shakran, okay, who used to be one of the slaves that the Prophet took over, okay, and became one of Yani, his people who were supporting and helping him, his name is Shakran, and he was the man appointed to look after the captured. He was taking them. They didn't have a prison. They didn't have a court. The mushriks in Mecca, when they returned, their homes were terrible. In every house, people were crying. People were crying because they lost the greatest of their men, and they were feeling sad. And the Muslims who were left behind in Mecca, that made them feel stronger. That the biggest army Mecca has ever taken out to go and fight any enemy and an enemy that they, in their sight or in their eye is not strong enough was defeating their army and they came back with nothing. Abu Sufyan made a nadhr. A nadhr is a promise to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah said in the Quran, in Allah loves those who will make a promise to him. Who will give Allah a goodly loan? And Allah will multiply it many times over. And this is something from the prophets, from the messengers. So, whenever you are in a dilemma, in a problem, in difficulty, the best thing, this is what I will do for myself, you'll go and have a fresh ghusl. You wash your body. Then you make fresh wudu when you come out. Okay? Although you can make your wadu with the kusuf, but I prefer to do another kusuf, wadu. And then I f- dress in fresh clothes, and I'll pray in the best place in where I live, which is just for the prayer. Okay? And I will pray tu by the intention of purity. Then I'll pray tu by the intention of tawbah. Then I will hold my beads, and I'll make istighfar. Okay? Minimum 100 times. Then I'll make salawat for the Prophet Minimum 100 times. You can do as much as you like, but minimum and then after that you prostrate you praise Allah you glorify Him you thank Him for everything that you have received and you are receiving at that moment from Him even that moment of doing this and then you make a promise to Allah oh Allah this thing okay I need a solution for I need an opening for whatever and I promise you if this is fulfilled I will do this but what you promise once Allah give you what you ask for, you must do. Don't say, I will do it later. I heard many people say, Oh Allah, if this business succeeds, I will build you a mosque. And my intention is to build the mosque for fifty thousand pounds. And then Allah make their business come and say, Well, Alhamdulillah, everything is all right. I'll build the mosque for a hundred thousand, I'll delay it until I make the next deal, I'll build the mosque for hundred thousand. They make another deal, Allah allow them. And then they say, Oh, I'll make it for two hundred thousand pounds. And they end up building nothing. And there was an example of this at the time of Rasulullah of Tha'laba. Whom he did the same thing and Subhanallah when the Prophet asked for zakah he refused to give because he wanted to give the best later when he had more. And Allah revealed the Quran not to take from him nothing. And the Prophet passed away and he did not take nothing. Abuqar siddiq took nothing. Okay. When Umar became the Khalifa, he came to Umar and said please take from me." Umar said no. If they both refused, the Prophet and his Closest friend, I will never take it. And Allah said, don't take it from you. So Abu Sufyan made a nether. I will never touch my head with water. I will never pour water off my head. I will never wash my hair until I get my revenge, from the Prophet And that is him. Okay? Now, when the captured people were brought to Medina, the Prophet ﷺ turned to the companions at the whole and says, Ya Ma'ashar al Ansar wal muhajira O you gathering men among the Ansar of Medina, al Auswal Khazraj, wal muhajira and those who come or came with me from Mecca, it's those who, be him Take good care of those whom we captured. Take good care of them. Look after them. No court, remember. No court and no prisons or prison sentences. One of the men who were captured called Abu Aziz. Abu Aziz is the brother of Umayr. Okay? Muzab ibn Umayr. Okay? Abu Aziz ibn Umayr. Muzab ibn Umayr. Muzab, subhanAllah, was the man who always carries the banner for Rasulullah And his brother for the Mushrikeen. Okay? And therefore, he was captured and brought he says himself later on abu aziz kuntu ma'a jama'a al-ansar hina aqbalu he says when i was with the companion who were bringing me to medina Whenever they stop to eat something and they had some bread, usually they have dates. Because bread you can't find all the time. They have dates all the time. They will rush to give me the bread, even if it's a small piece, and they will eat the dates. He said, I used to feel shy. How could they give me? I was fighting them. I came to destroy them. And they prefer to give me the better. That which they want for themselves. So I will feel shy and return it back. They will not even touch it. They say, no, you eat it. This is because Rasulullah Sallam taught them and told them, don't. In this, there is a lesson for us today. If we are in a position of having difficulty with somebody, anybody in the family, a neighbor at work, don't rush to take revenge. Don't rush to abuse. Don't rush to demean or put down treat with respect. Even that between you and them there is grave animosity treat them as if they are the closest of friends. But remember This position will not be given only to those who will act with patience and perseverance. And none will be given it only the one who have great luck great luck and you could be lucky enough to be born to be able to do so and subhanallah with those people who were captured Al-Abbas Ibn Al Muttalib the uncle of Rasulullah Sallam who became Muslim later on and the Prophet loved him so much and Hamza of course was a Muslim and Safiya became a Muslim the auntie okay and Atika as well as Muslim. And his son, okay? Or his nephew, ibn Abi Talib, the brother of Ali ibn Talib, who was captured as well in this battle. and Abu al as Abu al as was the husband of the daughter of Rasulullah. Now subhanAllah, he was captured. But the Prophet had no difference. Between the relatives and the non relatives, between the one whom he loves and the one. They are all the same. They were captured. They were brought. He will not treat them better than the others. And they will not treat the others better than them, or vice versa, treat anyone worse. They were all treated as if they are just friends. They are there. The captured in his time were distributed among the homes of the companions. You will take few, he will take few to live with you. But the Prophet did a greater thing. The Prophet said to them, in my sight, you are free. However, your freedom could be bought if you are able to pay for it, if you are well off. But you pay according to your means. Some of them, they didn't have anything to pay. Those who didn't have anything to pay, the Prophet said to them, you can go free. But he said, one thing that will benefit me for I Prefer knowledge Especially reading and writing For those who are not So if there is any one of you who have any knowledge I will prefer it to teach you to the one Who does not know Among my companions And if you can teach ten of them Then you can go free And this became, subhanallah, the best thing in Islam For a lot of the companions Who were not able to read, especially among the Ansar They began To study with the Mushrikeen Okay and to learn in many of the time when they captured people, especially at Qadbaat Uhud. Okay? And this is something that is important. Now, one of the greatest companions who learned from them is Zaid ibn Thabit. Zaid ibn Thabit learned to read and write, and he became one of the greatest scholars in Islam from those who were captured. So we don't mistreat the captured. We don't dishonor the captured. In fact, we honour them by giving them whatever we have and we share with them. Okay? This is something that you need to think about and remember Abu Aziz, okay? The brother of Muz'ab, said they prefer to feed me than feed themselves. They respected me so much I felt shy. With my intention of coming and destroying them. Okay? And the Prophet word is to look after them and to care for them. And to ask them to teach. Subhanallah, this tells you Islam comes to build, not to destroy. And that's what we need to do today. When you look at the example of the Muslims around the world who want to bring Islam to flourish, to, iz- to It is as lovely as in the past. They want to bring it by destroying. Everybody who does not believe in what they believe. What we see today, bombing, destruction, it's nothing to do with Rasulullah sallam. Nothing to do with his path. He never did that, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Never. Never one time he went out of his way to destroy. The only time he made intention to go to Mecca, in the last battle, when he conquered Mecca, his intention, if they refused him, he will fight to get him to do his hajj. But they didn't. And they surrendered and they became Muslims. Okay? Abu Sifyan, when he arrived in Mecca, he became very upset and angry. And people were telling him that how come this allowed to happen? You must do something about it. <laughs> so he went with 200 men from his people and Bani Nadir, one of the tribes of the Jewish community who were living in uh, Medina, Bani ben, Bani, okay? Bani Nadir, are two of the tribes that used to work in Medina, in business especially, in the gold trade, okay, this is and the minerals and things like that and one of their leaders of this tribe called Salam Ibn Mishkam, Salam Ibn Mishkam he contacted him and said to him I'm coming to Medina and as your guest with some men with me, so he welcomed him and he treated him with respect and gave him a lot of good. But then, Abu Sufyan Wa alaykum as rahmatullah my brother, how are you? Welcome, Sidi. Welcome. Abu Sufyan, subhanallah, how are you, Sidi? Are you alright? Pleasure to see you. Alhamdulillah, <laughs> welcome. Abu Sufyan then sent some of his men to go and find the believers who are traveling around by themselves. So they went and found some of the Ansar and they killed two of them. Because he wanted to fulfill his promise so that he can wash his hair. Because he said, I will not wash my hair until I come and do something against Muhammad. So he brought the 200 men as if he's coming for a visit, stayed with the Jewish leader, okay, Mishkam. And then he sent a few of his men to go outside Medina, find some of the Ansar, kill two of them, and then they went back to Makkah. The Prophet tried to catch him with some of the companions, but he escaped, okay? After he escaped, the other tribe, Bani who were living in Medina as well, they broke the promise they made to Rasulullah that they will never fight him. And they will never stand with anybody else to fight him. And they began to do a lot of plotting against the Muslims. The Prophet Sallallahu became so upset with them. 700 of their businessmen, because they used to live inside Medina, and most of them as jewelers who used to sell jewellery, he surrounded them until Abdullah ibn Ubay, one of the men with rasulullah was able to come and sit to the Prophet and say to him, Look, allow them to go. And they will do everything. So he mediated between the Prophet and the leader by the Prophet allowed them to go. He didn't do anything to them. But he was trying to tell them that you cannot do this to us. We are living in peace. We are not doing anything. We should not interfere in your business. You should not interfere in our business. Another leader from the Jews called Ka'b ibn Ashraf, he also used to do a lot of evil against the Prophet ﷺ. And he tried his best with the Mushrikeen of Mecca to find ways to destroy him. Because once the Prophet ﷺ came to Medina, al-Aws al khazraj united, there is no more war, there is no more bloodshed, there is no difficulties, there is no troubles, okay? And they became stronger, united. So subhanallah, they couldn't do anything with them. Before, when they were weaker, they could do a lot of things with them. But now, they can't do anything with them. So he traveled, this leader, Ashraf, he traveled to Mecca and sat with the mushrikeen, and the leader of the mushrikeen, and he brought some of their best of their poets and encouraged them to write evil poetry. Again, it's Muhammad وسلم, insulting. <coughs> and again, it's the companions. And again, it's what they are doing. So the Prophet heard about this, and he saw the companions some of them they became very upset and at that time the weapon of destroying somebody's life is by poetry so one day he was sitting and he looked at them and he felt look we're strong don't be يعني, feeling low because of what this man is doing he said this statement من الأشرف who will take this man and challenge him. For indeed he has harmed okay, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by insulting his religion and those who believe and the Messenger. So some of the Ansar, when they heard this, they immediately went ahead and looked for him. They found him and they challenged him. And they entered the fight and they killed him. People of Mecca, they couldn't appreciate what was going on. Every time they plot and they plan with those who are enemies to the Prophet outside Mecca, nothing happened. Either the Prophet makes peace with them and everything goes normal, or like this occasion, one of their leaders who was so close to them here and used to spy on the Muslims and to do evil things against them, is being killed. So they decided to get out and do that which they were always wanting to do, to come with a huge army, bigger than what they did in Badr, to destroy Muhammad And this became the biggest battle, okay, as what Uhud, or the battle of Uhud. Now, this was in the middle of the month of Shawwal, the year after, Badr, the year the third of Hijrah. When they came out, they came out with a lot of women. What they do when they travel, they usually put the women in what we call, okay, Haudaj, like a tent on top of the camel, okay, so that women are not seen. And it's also from the sun. And they took the women with them so that when the battle starts and if it is getting rough, not like in Badr to come back with nothing or to run away. Some of them run away. The women will sing for them so that their manlihood okay, can be boosted and they can become courageous and fight in the battle. This is the tradition of the Arabs. Okay? So they went. Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi when he heard that they were coming he was sitting with the companion and said I dislike to go out and meet them to find them if they are coming to fight me, let them come to Medina. I will fight them in Medina. I will never go out to fight anybody. Let them come. But, subhanallah, Allah ta'ala made it that it will take place for great lessons for Rasulullah Sallam and the campaign at that time and for us today to understand that when we are together unless our hearts are together, we are not really together. We are not together. Abdullah ibn Ubay, the same man who made the peace for those 700 Jewish merchants, straight away said to Rasulullah, It's better to go out and meet them. For indeed, going out and meeting them will show that we are strong, that we are powerful, that we can do something, that we can find. Rasulullah Rasul then felt sad. He went into his home. He sat down we didn't like to hear that because this then brought into the heart of the rest of the companion that the prophet did not want to go and meet those people who want to destroy them why should they wait what should they do okay what should they do what can they do so the prophet came out to them And those who did not fight in the Battle of Badr, they immediately approached the Prophet ﷺ and they said to him, Ya Rasulullah, it will be better that you take us out and we meet them and we find them. The Prophet ﷺ then said to them, of course I will. I will get out with you. And he left Medina with 1,000 fighting men. When he was traveling from Medina to Uhud, those who went to Uhud. Uhud is not really far away from Medina. But it is further. It takes a longer time. But it still it's far. Because Medina was where the Prophet ﷺ mosque is. That is Medina. From there to go to Uhud is quite far. And by car it takes time? Forty minutes, something like that? Yeah, yeah about forty minutes from the Rasul Salam al Uhud. car. Yeah. Fifteen minutes. Fifteen minutes, yeah. Fifteen minutes. Okay. So Imagine that for them was a long journey. When the Prophet arrived at the middle between Medina and Uhud, Abdullah ibn Ubay took 300 of the men with him and said to the Prophet, I will not go further." And it was sad. The Prophet said, We are meeting them, and I need to find the place whereby we can shelter ourselves from the enemy, give ourselves to a mountain so that they cannot come from our behind. So the Prophet went further, okay? Until he reached, okay, a place where there is a mountain called a Shu'ab. Okay, there are many mountains, and one of them called a Shu'ab. The Prophet was there. It's about three kilometers from where the Prophet mosque is. And he stayed there. And then he took one of the Companions and gave him 50 men and told him to climb on the mountain so if anything happened they want to come from the back you can use your arrows okay to shoot them and his name is Abdullah ibn Jubair now the battle when the Mushrikeen came started battle of Uhud and it's a famous a lot of you must have read about it okay they fought a lot, some of the companions, to defend Rasulullah name, and to gain for Islam a victory that will make the Mushrikeen never raise their head again. Some of those companions who are mentioned in the seerah who really fought okay, with courage like Thumrah ibn Jundub or Rafiq ibn Khuraj or Abu rafi these are three companions mentioned in all the books of the Seerah that in that battle they did their best. Okay? All of them. Now, if you think about it, Sumr ibn Jundub was a little boy, 15 years old. And was also 15 years old. Now, although they, f- they fought like men in that battle, at the beginning, the Prophet ﷺ looked at them and said, you are young, you should go back. Abu Rafi', who fought a lot in this battle, came to the Prophet ﷺ and said to him, Ya Rasulullah, my son really came to fight. Although he's young, but he's courageous. So the Prophet ﷺ listened to his dad and said, okay, come fight. Samra, or Sumra ibn Jundub came to the Prophet ﷺ and said to him, Ya Rasulullah, he's my age, you allowed him. Why don't you allow me? And by the way, if you allow me to wrestle him, by Allah I will wrestle him. In front of all the companions, the Prophet ﷺ said to him, Okay, wrestle. So they wrestled. Sumra. Okay, Rafa. And subhanAllah, Sumra defeated Rafa. The Prophet didn't allow both of them to fight, and they became some of the best fighters in that battle. Okay. When the battle started, the women from the Mushrikeen side with their doofs, okay, they were singing to encourage the men for the battle. Abu Dujana, Hamza, Ibn Abdul Muttalib, they were ready for a battle. These are what we call the courageous men of Islam, okay, the lions. Now, one of the mushrikeen called Jubair ibn Mudaim, his uncle Tu'ayma, was killed in the battle of badr and he came especially for one reason for this bottle to get revenge for his uncle trauma so what he did he said to a slave he used to have called Wahshi, i will give you your freedom if you make sure just in the bottle just kill the one man. forget about the bottle you're not here to fight me and you are coming for one goal Just locate the man, I will point him out, and just kill him for me. And Wahshi was following him until he saw him. And with one spear, he killed Hamza ibn Abdul muttalib Okay? Subhanallah, with the killing of Hamza, the Muslims were really fighting with courage, and they were winning the battle. And the victory of Allah was very close for them. And the women of the Mushrikeen who were singing, because the Mushriks were going back, they began to run. So some of the men who came only for the booty because the, they don't want to die, so they start running as well. Now, at that moment of time, one of the men who were courageous enough among the Mushrikeen is Khalid bin al-Walid. Khalid bin al-Walid realized that the only way to fight this battle is to surround the Muslims from the back. But it is difficult. Because there are people there with their nobles or with their okay, archery, and it's difficult. Many times he was sending them, they were killed. But the brothers were given the chance to sit on the top, and, and the Prophet gave them the instruction never come down. And this is also a lesson for us today. When we are together and a decision is made, we should always stick to it. If one of us, or two, or three, decide to do their own thing, then we fail. Allah said in the Quran, وَلَا تَنَازَعُوا وَلَا تَنَازَعُوا And do not dispute with one another. Then you fail. You fail. So those brothers on top, they were arguing. Some of them, they said, look, excuse me. We are winning. And they are running away. There's nothing. So we need to go down and collect the booty before the others come. Well, they want to take some said no. And the man whom the Prophet ﷺ had given the instruction for to lead them, said, the Prophet said we shouldn't come down. They did to him, So they all came down collecting the booty, whatever is there. Khalid ibn Walid, he was a wise, courageous young man, and had the wisdom that this is a chance. So he took a group and came from the back. When some of the mushrikeen realized this, They began to surround the Prophet and to fight. Things changed. To the worse. Because once this happened, the Prophet was attacked. And his head was hit. And the blood was coming a lot in his face. And he fell down until his lips were bleeding sallallahu alayhi wasallam and two of his teeth broken abdullah sallallahu wasallam and he was trying to wipe the blood from his face and he was saying loudly to the companion to hear him alaihi abdullah sallallahu wasallam kayfa yuflihu qaum khaddabu wajhnabihim bid-dam wa huwa yad'uhum ila rabbihim how come People become successful in this world when they will fill their Prophet face with blood and he's only inviting them for their Lord. How come Ali ibn Abi Talib was close to the Prophet? He was holding his hand to allow him to stand up, and Talha was there as well, one of the close companions of the Prophet. And he was holding him. Until the Prophet got up. And subhanallah, one of the greatest thing to see how much his companion loved the Prophet one of the companions called Malik ibn Sinan, he couldn't see the Prophet's blood. So he, when the Prophet was putting his head down because of the blood and they were trying to stop the blood, he was wiping it. And rather than putting the blood away, he was Eating the blood of the Prophet. This is in Bukhari reported. He was sucking the blood of the Prophet. They couldn't believe that the Prophet's blood was just running like that. They couldn't believe the Prophet could be treated in this way. Because everything in him to them is something that to be respected and looked up to. Allah said in the Quran regarding this. استحثونهم بإذنه حتى إذا فشلتم وتنازعتم في الأمر وعصيتم من بعد ما أراكم ما تحبون منكم ما يريد الدنيا ومنكم يريد الآخرة ثم صرفكم عنهم ليبتليكم ولا عنكم والله ذو فضل على المؤمنين صدق الله العظيم ثورة آل عمران verse one hundred and fifty two Allah says describing the situation of the Muslim leaving the position the Prophet gave to them, coming looking for the dunya, and that has changed the situation whereby the Prophet was losing the battle for a time. And Allah has fulfilled His promise for you, O you who believe. When they came trying to destroy you, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by His permission, allowed the victory to take place because you were attacked. Until you began to dispute among one another and you became disobedient to the instruction of Rasulullah Sallam. some of you were wanting the dunya, the booty, but others wanting the hereafter, the victory. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala removed you from them However, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgives you. And Allah is the one who owns all the bounties. And Allah is there for those who believe. Now in this verse, there is clear indication that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa must always be listened to, must always be followed, must always be the one that you take your instruction from and you never go against what he says or does because Allah says here yeah, from you there are those who became disobedient not to Allah to the Prophet ﷺ. so the lesson for us today here if we are together at the jama'ah when we decide to do something we shouldn't stand together if there is one who is responsible for us when he sh- make mashwara with us and make a decision we should stick to that decision even if we don't like it because by making dispute and argument, we're going to fail. You look at all the Muslim communities all over the world, you'll find today this is true because we don't listen to one another. Okay. Now here I'm going to give you an example of people who truly love the Prophet ﷺ more than themselves. Rasulullah said in the hadith, None of you will become a true believer, sincere believer, complete believer, an honest believer until he loves me more than he loves himself and everybody else. Let it be your partner, let it be your children, let it be your parents, let it be anybody else or anything you own. If you don't love the Prophet ﷺ more than that, you're not a believer. Now, these are examples Abu Dujana, radiallahu ta'ala, okay? When the Prophet ﷺ was attacked, he was standing over him, and the mushrikeen were shooting at him okay, with arrows and his back. But he never, never quivered. He never removed himself. He never, he will never. He wanted to die, but not the Prophet. ﷺ. He was covering him. And that is only out of love. Nobody will do this for anybody because people at the time of difficulty, rather than stay, they will run away. Saad Ibn Abi Waqqas came to help. So he found the budjana there. He went to the other side of the Prophet and he was falling before the Prophet But then he managed to sit up, and he, he was having an arrow to shoot, okay, or a bow to shoot, okay. So the Prophet ﷺ was giving him the arrows, and he was shooting. Okay, because the Prophet ﷺ knew he was good at what he was doing while he was shooting. The Prophet ﷺ was saying to him, loudly, Irmi, Fidaka Abi Wa Ummi. Irmi, shoot! I will give my life for you. This The Prophet ﷺ was telling him I will give my life for you. And then Abu Ubaid ibn Jarrah, radiallahu ta'ala came and because the Prophet ﷺ okay, was hit in his face, So he was trying to remove anything that was there. And subhanAllah, the Prophet was in great pain. And while this was going on, another companion called Qutada Ibn Nu'man, his eye was hit and it came out of its socket until it was touching. Okay, it is cheek. He came to the Prophet, but he was not feeling pain. In fact, he was feeling pleasure that his eye came out. When the Prophet saw him, he called him. And The Prophet held his eye back to his place and just wiped it like that. It was back normal. It's one of the miracles okay, of Rasulullah Sallam. It just went normal. He said, by Allah Almighty God, since that time, my right eye was always nicer to look at and more sharper than my left eye. Since the Prophet touched although it, although it was out, but the Prophet put it back, and this is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. When the Prophet was trying to climb up from the position he was in to a, a rock so that they can pray, he couldn't get up. Talha tried to help him, okay? So he sat on the ground and let the Prophet to climb on his back and to get to the rock. And when the Prophet went up because he could not stand from the damage he received, he sat and led the prayer for them. And they prayed, those who were close to him, prayed with him. Anath ibn nadr he was the uncle of Anath ibn Malik. Anath ibn Malik is the Khadim of Rasulullah He says, okay, there are many people who felt at that moment the Prophet Sallam died because the Mushrikeen, when the Prophet was hit, they began to sing loudly, we have killed Muhammad. Muhammad is dead, sallallahu alayhi wa We have killed, okay, Muhammad, Muhammad is dead. So a lot of the Muslims felt he's dead. So some of them just sat down. They wanted to give up. So Saad, okay, came out. He's one of the Ansar. And he came to those people who thought Muhammad has died. He said, What would you do with life after him? What kind of life are you going to live? He brought you dignity. He brought you honor. He brought you faith. He linked you to your creator. What life is better than that? If he died, so what? What are you going to do after him? وَمُوتُوا عَلَى Get up and die the way that he died for his Lord. And he went and fought until he was killed. Anath bin Malik says, his nephew... When we found him among the dead, he was hit 70 times by arrows, by daggers, by the sword, okay, by spears. There are 70. And we could not even recognize him. The only way we could manage to know who he is, by the tip of his fingers. Because we knew how his fingers look. This is him. There are signs that they could recognize him from that. Okay? Another man, called Ziyad ibn Second. he was really, really in pain. He was cut so much that he could not get up. The Prophet said, the companion, bring him close to me. The Prophet himself was suffering. When they brought him closer and the Prophet was sitting on a rock, his feet were there, so he was close to the feet of the Prophet The Prophet said, put his head on my feet. So they put his, the cheek of this man on the feet of the Prophet and the Prophet was praying for him until he died. In that condition until he died. Another companion called Amru, and he was limping. His children were strong. They came to What they said to him, Father, you should not come with us to fight because you are not in the position of fighting. Please go back. So he came to the and said to me, Rasulullah. Am I allowed? The Prophet said to him, by Allah. You're not allowed. Allah said in the Quran, those who have got physical disability, they should stay. He said, there is only one thing in my heart, Ya Rasulullah. I want to enter paradise the way I'm limping. That means I'm accepting Allah's will, gave me this condition. I want to enter paradise limping. Can I fight to die as a shaheed? Because once you die as a shaheed, you enter there. The Prophet didn't allow it him. After asking his children permission, because his children didn't want him to fight. Okay. And he fought until he died in that battle. Zaid ibn Thabit radiallahu ta'ala anhu, the Prophet sallallahu called him. He said, Sa'd ibn is not around. He wanted to fight to become a shaheed in this battle. Maybe Allah has fulfilled for him. Go and find him. And tell him that the messenger sallallahu alayhi sallam, is saying salam to him. And ask him this question from me. كيف tajiduka how do you find yourself so Zayd ibn thabit went looking among the dead people to find sa'ad and he found him when he found him he said tim rasulullah is sending salam to you and asking me how do you find yourself now and he said by allah almighty god he was hit so much he was in such pain because all his body is cut into pieces he says May peace and blessing be upon the, Muhammad, upon the Prophet Muhammad Tell Rasulullah وسلم, Indeed I find the smell of paradise while I'm lying here. And tell my people the Ansar al-Aws khazraj la uzra lakum inda They have no excuse before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Okay? They must Get up and fight. They must get up and help. Tell them, La udr Allah. in khalusa, ilayya sallallahu alayhi wa sallam of fiqma ayun tatraf. <tallam-> if sallam is killed and one of you, his eye is open, still alive, then shame will be upon you. You should die for him. You should not allow anything. Even if he dies, get up and fight. So he went and told Rasulullah Sallam the news. Okay? And he said, they were sitting with him until he died in that condition, happy. In Bukhari, it is reported that Abdullah ibn Jahsh radiallahu ta'ala anhu, when he was entering the battle, he made this dua. Allahumma oh inni alayka. O Allah, I ask you with an oath. An alqal adu. That I will meet this enemy tomorrow. That they will kill me. Then they will open my stomach. Then they will cut my nose. And they will cut my ear. Then in the day of judgment you will ask me, Why this is done for you? Then I will say it is done for you, O Allah because I believed in you, because I trusted in you, because I wanted you, this is done because of that. Now, there are lessons from this to show how these companions loved Rasulullah They were willing to do anything for his sake. One companion, while he was fighting, they poked his eye, and he was blind. He was walking in amazement feeling joy the others were asking are you all right can we help he said what help by allah almighty god i am finding pleasure in what happened to me by allah almighty god i am finding pleasure but this pleasure is not physically spiritually because at the end of the day although the physical pain is there but because his spirit was in such joy that he is doing it not for himself, not to be seen that he is courageous, that he is somebody who is strong, that he is winning in the battle. No, he's doing it just to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That is what happened. Okay? He said, Indeed, I have felt a pleasure when my eye was poked for the sake of my Lord. It did not come out suddenly. It did not come out because I wanted to be praised that I was courageous. It only came out for the sake of Allah. Now, two of the companions in that battle were good men. They were young. They were not really wanting anything but to really do something that Rasulullah would be pleased with them and Allah could give them the best here and hereafter. They were standing and they were looking at the mushrikeen. One of them said to the other, let me remind you, my brother, this is the moment in time the dua is accepted. This is the time whereby Allah is looking into us and our intentions. And I know by Allah, you and I have come here only for the sake of Allah. So our dua is accepted. Make a du'a. Pray. So his brother put his hand up. And he said, Allahumma inni ataluka an tusakhir li kafiran qawiyyan. Basiran Shadidan harada. Aqtulhu fi sabilik wa akhuthalabahu lil muslimin. O oh Allah, I ask you that a kafir who is strong, who is able to fight, will come across and fight me and I will kill him for his for your sake. And I will take whatever belonged to him for the sake of the Muslims. His brother who asked him to pray, said, Ameen. And exactly happened. When the battle went through, this man were fighting and one of the strong mushriks came and they fought hard. And the mushrik killed him. As he prayed. But before he did that and died, when he finished his dua and his brother said to his brother, now you make your dua and listen to his brother. And this is also a lesson for us. What dua you make? It's a good dua. He wanted to fight a strong Muslim, kafir, so that at the end of the day, if he is killed, he is killed by somebody stronger than him. And if he killed him, he killed somebody strong among the mushrikeen. He wanted to do something. And if he wins, he wanted to take something for the Muslims. The second one says, "Allahumma inni as'aluka, أن تسخل Kafir and قويا شديدا. باثرا. Oh Allah, I ask you that you will provide for me a mushrik or a kafir who is strong and able to fight. He will cut my nose. and he will cut my ear. and he will open my stomach. And I will come before you in the day of judgment. And I will say, oh my Lord, فِيكَ فُعِلَ For you, this has been done. And this happened. So the first one was saved and managed to kill his kafir and take his goods. And the second one was killed in the battle. Now, according to their intention. So what you want, you don't want just to win to take the dunya. You want to win so that Allah will be pleased with you. You want to do it so that Allah can give you the highest position. If you go and fight and win a battle, you win the battle. You will get reward for what you did. But you're going to live, and your living thereafter is judged by what you do, good or bad. But if you die as a martyr, you are with your Lord. All that which you have done before is forgiven. And your life will become the better life, inshallah. Okay? Now, the Muslims returned back to the position that the Prophet gave to them again. And they began to do something okay, for the battle. Because first, they were winning. Second, they were losing. Then they realized when the Prophet was alive, to put themselves together to begin the fight again. Ubay ibn, ibn Khalaf, he came to the Prophet and said, Ya Muhammad, jowta in jowta. if you think you have been saved, you are not saved today. I'm going to destroy you. I have come all this way from Makkah to kill you. The Prophet said to them, Leave him. The azan, inshallah. Leave him. When he was approaching the Prophet from Ferdinand, the Prophet was Feeling <laughs> <تكتنف> الله اكبر الله اكبر, أكبر <تكتب> الله اكبر الله اكبر اشهد لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له له شدنا محمد الرسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم رضى الله عنه حيا على الصلاة حول ولا حيا على الصلاة حول ولا حي علي حيا على الفلاح ولا الله, أكبر الله أكبر. La ilaha illallah rasulullah Allahumma Muhammad Muhammad Ibrahim wa Ibrahim Muhammad Muhammad Ibrahim majid Allahumma rabb hadhi at Muhammad al al okay so he approached the prophet sallallahu from farther and the prophet said to wasallam leave him he's coming to fight me let him come And then when he was approaching the Prophet to try to fight the Prophet, to kill him, the Prophet took a spear from a man next to him and he just thrown it to him and he killed him. Okay? That is in the butter of Uhud. Subhanallah, at that time, the Prophet still was bleeding. Ali ibn Abi Talib was rushing and filling his shield because the shield were like, 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 like balls, like plates, okay? So that they can support and help the fighter, okay, when they were attacked. With water, and bringing it, and he was pouring it on the hand of Fatima, and Fatima was trying to watch the face of the Prophet, but the Prophet's blood was still coming out, was not stopping, was bleeding. So she took, okay, something from a palm of the tree, and she burned it, and then stuck it in the Prophet's face, just to cover his wound, alayhi In the battle with Hathaya, there are other women, who were helping the Muslims, like Aisha radiallahu wa ta'ala umm Anha? Both of them they were carrying the water to pour it in the mouths of the people who were dying, those who were thirsty. Um Musalit, another companion lady who was filling for them their containers when they are coming. So that shows at that, that time as well. An example, women were there. were supporting and helping. They were not hiding behind the curtain. How could they pour the water on the faces of men? And they were behind the curtain. Are you listening to me? This is what we see today. There are a lot of things I really don't understand. Where do they come from? Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha, Fatima radiallahu ta'ala, were there in the midst of the men she was washing the Prophet's face. She was not from behind hijab. This is from Bukhari and from Muslim, from the stories, the seer like Ibn Husham, it's written there. I am saying these things because the seer is nothing, nothing cut off. 13th century, and we think about it today as something else. We need to live Islam today according to the way the Prophet lived it. All these things are new to do with culture and things like that. We were never brought up like that. I lived in a country where people are very strict in Islam, but these things I never saw. I see it here. Islam should be lived whereby we should respect one another care for one another, understand one another, appreciate one another. When I used to walk in the street, where I used to live in the town where I come from, any woman I see is like my sister or my mother. When I sit in the bus on the train, she is like my sister or my mother. Ma- I don't think otherwise. Whoever she is. But today, because our feelings are different, maybe we need to put these barriers. Please, let us bring Islam to the way it used to be. Only if we read the Seerah properly and interpret it the way the Prophet Sallallahu lived it, then we can leave Islam and become the people. Okay? Today you go to the Muslim countries whereby the Teratimak is so strict like this, and by Allah Almighty God, behind the veils, there is all that which Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala disliked and have forbidden. So we need to remove all these barriers and become the better people, InshaAllah. Now, Hint and many of the ladies of the Mushrikeen, they came around after the battle has stopped to look for the Muslim who were killed to destroy their bodies, cut their noses, cut this is a tradition of the Mushrikeen they used to do among the Arabs. And subhanallah, she opened the chest of Hamza and she took his liver and chewed it, but she couldn't. Carry on. So she spit it. Abu Sufyan went out and climbed in a high mountain. And then said loudly, looking down at the Muslims, hubel, That Hubal is great. Hubal is one of their gods. Okay? This is some of their gods. Rasulullah said to Umar ibn Khattab, Ya Umar, stand up and loudly shout what I'm going to tell you. Let him hear. Allah indeed is the greater and the most high. It's not the same. Our fighters who died will be in heaven, but your fighters will go to hell. Abu Sifyan then said loudly to reply to Umar, We have al one of their gods, and you have no Uzza. The Rasul says, to Umar, answer him back. And all of you could say it together. They said, what should we say, Ya Rasulullah? قَالَ وَلَا مَوْلَا لَكُمْ وَلَا مَوْلَا Allah is our defender, our savior. And you have no savior. You have no defender. Allahu Akbar. Now that, what we need to learn. How we say things. When do we say them? Reading the seerah, Understanding the Seer of Allah is getting out of it what he did to live in his time so that we can live with it in this time. Gain from it. Understand it and appreciate it. And make sure that when we do it, we do it properly. Rather than thinking otherwise. This is very, very important. What we do, inshallah, there is a little bit left. We pray Isha. It will take us 10 15 minutes to finish it, and then inshallah, we'll read our salawat after Isha. Let's go and pray because those people are there waiting. Uh, the light. Bismillah. We stopped at the point when we were talking about some of the companions of the Prophet, sallallahu okay, who were with him showing great love, okay, and the condition of the companion as women as well when they were with him sallallahu in the bottle. In the battle, not fighting, there were women who fought in Islam, but they were supporting and helping those who were fighting, okay, giving them that position. And then we talked about Hind and the ladies with who came to do that which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has forbidden for the Muslims to do, which is damaging the bodies of those who died in the battle, okay. And Rasulullah came to the body of Hamza and he cried when he saw the way his body was treated by those ignorant people. Okay. Abu Sufyan, when he stood up on the mountain and did what he did and said what he says, the Prophet Wasallam, ended by telling the companion to repeat loudly and to say, Allahu a'la wa ajal. Allah is greater and most high. La sawa, it's not the same. قَتْلَانَا فِي الْجَنَّةِ وَقَتْلَاكُمْ فِي الْنَارِ Our deceased are going to go to paradise, but your deceased will go to the hellfire. Okay? And then he says to them, Say, اللَّهُ مَوْلَانَا وَلَا مَوْلَا لَكُمْ عَلَيْكُمْ السَّلَامِ اللَّهُ مَوْلَانَا lakum. <laughs> Abu Sufyan then, he went into a high mountain, higher than the place where he was, and then he said loud, to the Muslims who were sitting there, inna maw'idukum badr al'am. Inna maw'idukum badr al'am. Indeed, I am going to go back and prepare myself with a bigger and more strong army to come. And the place we meet will be badr again. Because he remembered in badr they were defeated. And he made his promise, he will never rest. Neither water will touch his head until he will take revenge by attacking Muhammad sallam and the companions but he couldn't do it that way so he took his 200 men he came to the leader of salam the leader of the uh, bani nadir and there he managed to kill two of al ansar and then he went back to say that to muhammadan i have done my job i fulfilled my promise to allah subhanahu wa ta'ala now this promise now he did because he felt this time he went because when he went after badr everybody was sad and people were telling them it was shameful that muhammad Sallam, who left with nothing who was drove driven out of makkah whom his people were in our hands managed to defeat you such a defeat so he came back to makkah this time feeling better okay rasulullah was very sad, as I said, for Hamza. And Hamza, by the way, his uncle and his brother threw through through, through milk. Both of them, they had the milk from the same lady. Now, Safiya bint Abdul Muttalib, the sister of Hamza, the auntie of Rasulullah Sallam, said to her son Zubair ibn al-Awam, I heard Hamza is being killed. I would like to go and see him. Because Hamza was respected. Really respected. Rasulullah Sallam, when he saw that, he called. That's Zubair. When Zubair came to him said to him, You know what happened to Hamza. Safiya is very close to him. If she goes and sees him this way, this will not be nice to her. Distract her and take her away. So she came to him and said to her, Ya Uma, oh Mother, the Prophet the the Prophet says, shouldn't she see Hamza in this way? He said to him, son, what happened to him? Happened to the man. If his body is being destroyed by those who wanted to do things after he died to him because of hatred to the religion that he embraced and leaving his father's religion, no shame in that. And if I went and saw him and I felt sad, I feel sad only for what I see. But in my heart, I am happy where he is going to be. Take me to him. And they say, then he took her to his body, and she stood there and showed respect. And Rasulullah then asked for him to be buried, and the rest of the qatla or the deceased among the people who died in that battle. Now 70 among the Muslims were killed, and 22 among the mushrikeen were killed. The Mushrikeen, the Prophet ﷺ asked them and allowed them to take their qatla, their deceased, their killed people. But the Muslims, the Prophet ﷺ encouraged they will be buried there in Uhud. And today you can go and see them. They dug the graves, the Prophet ﷺ told them, you should not bury them after washing them or shrouding them. Bury them as they are with their blood without even salah for them. And he buried some of them, two in a grave. The only thing he says, when they brought them to bury, which of them knows more Qur'an? When they say this one knows more Qur'an, he'll say, put him first. And they will be buried in the same place, covered with the same piece of cloth. And in that, there is a lesson as well for us today to think about. That we should not really quarrel about these kind of things. We should not worry about them. Today we have good people who worry about little things when it comes to doing practical things digging a grave for somebody who's dying making him to face the qibla and how he faced the qibla how she should be shrouded no quabble the person has passed he need to be with his lord we should find the easiest way to send them off and in that the prophet has given us the example so from the seerah and specifically from the battle of uhud we learned that rasul did the best for those whom he loved, because they loved Allah, and because they were obedient to him, following his sunnah alayhi salatu wassalam. Okay? And he said, after he buried all of them, loudly to all the companions to hear him, shahidun ala haulai I am going to be a witness for those whom I buried today in the Day of Judgment. Allahu Akbar. Then the Muslims stayed, okay, in that place for eight or for three. For three days. For three days they stayed there, okay? And I think it was Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. They were staying there. And they went to Medina. (coughs) They returned to Medina thereafter. So they did not rush. They waited until they did everything properly and they put themselves together and felt stronger in their way so they returned back and everybody in Medina was waiting for them. Allah revealed subhanahu wa ta'ala in the Quran. من الشيطان الرجيم Those who have adhered to the message of Allah and his messenger صلى الله عليه وسلم من بعد ما after they were conflicted with that which troubled them. Though أَحْسَنُوا مِنْهُمْ واتقوا, though they are after thereafter did well and better for themselves and feared Allah by avoiding what the Prophet has forbidden. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has forbidden. They will have the greatest of reward. Who are these people? أَلَّذِينَ قَالَ لَهُمُ النَّاسُ إِنَّ النَّاسَ قَدْ جمعوا لكم. Those whom men came to them to frighten them that in Uhud we have done this and that for you. So fear us because we are going to come and destroy you. فخشوهم, do fear the Meccans for they are going to come back again for you next year. In Badr Adab promise. But however, whatever, the Mushrikeen were trying to put in their heart to frighten them because they have faith and there is no place for any fear in their heart, Allah said, فَزَادَهُمْ إِيمَانًا This statement from the mushrik only increased them in faith. What did they say in their faith? قَالُوا الله, اللَّهُ وَنِعْمَ الْوَكِيلُ فَقَالُوا اللَّهُ They said Allah is our Savior and He is sufficient. What happened? Allah said فَانْقَلَبُوا بِنِعْمَةٍ مِنَ اللَّهِ وَفَضْلٍ لَمْ يَمْسَسْهُمْ سُوءٍ Therefore thereafter they retained from Allah with many bounties. Never harm comes your way. Whatever, and they follow the path of Allah, and Allah is the one who had the greatest of bounties. Now, in this, there is also a lesson. The Prophet Saddam taught us what those true believers said at that time for Allah to reveal this verse: whosoever, whosoever is having difficulty. With anything to do with people in this life, as long as you have Iman in Allah and trust in him, repeat this. And Allah will save you. And as they return with bounty and no harm comes their way, the same will happen to you. Therefore, ara rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Hasbun Allah. Hasbun Allah wa im al-Waqeel. Shayful Mu'minin. Hasbunullah wa nam al-Waqil? Saiyf Hasbun Allah wa nam al-Waqil is the sword of the believer. And wallah, Allah is my witness. I will tell you now. Abu'l-Hassan al shadhili the greatest of scholars of his time, who was buried in the Red Sea in Egypt, who is the leader of all those who claim to be among the Sufis, Shadhilis, And he's one of the greatest scholars. Okay? Abu'l-Hassan al shadhili wrote a book about it, about Hazbunallah wa Ni'mal-Wakeel. And he says, whosoever, and he says, whosoever recite Allah wa Ni'mal-Wakeel 450 times, in his morning, by Allah Almighty God until the evening, none will harm him. And no fear will come his way. And whosoever does it in the evening until the morning, he will be safe. And we tried. And we will always try. Our Sheikh Rahmatullah <laughs> al Al-Fatih used to say, for anybody who's worried or frightened, it's not of our... It's not of one of our characteristics to be frightened or coward. Who we have faith, we don't have cowardness in our heart. We don't fear no makhluk. Do you understand? And therefore, when you are frightened, frightened from what? People today, in this modern way, are frightened from the dark, frightened from height, frightened from spiders. Frightened. What is this? They have names for it. it. It is shameful. You should never be frightened from nothing. The only fear should come to your heart when you find yourself in a position where you are not able to be obedient to Allah and you know in your heart Allah is watching you. Then you should be frightened. اللَّهُ وَنِعْمَ الْوَكِيلُ Whosoever says it will be in peace. And wallah will be in peace. No one. Don't be frightened. Frightened from what? We don't fear nobody. I am telling you a story just to to give you something that you can understand by allah almighty god allah is my witness since we were taught this we keep it we do it not for nothing but to follow the teaching of muhammad and because we do it morning and evening and sometimes we do it we find pleasure in saying it once i was in a place almost one o'clock in the morning i was i didn't know this country i was new here this is in the 70s and there was at that time the a, a, a skinheads, they call them. And they used to fight any foreigners, especially those who go into their areas. And I didn't know. I was in my cousin's house and I was going to another friend's house where he's going to be there. said, come there. And they showed me the way. But I said, I can go anytime. So one o'clock. Where I am, I go out anytime. So I walked through this road and when I entered the road, it, there was a fight. There were blood all over the place. Two groups fighting sticks, knife, whatever you can... And I started walking, but I walked by the wall. I didn't know otherwise, where to walk. I didn't know any other road. Yes, I walked. The only thing came to my heart, I was not frightened. I was not worried. I have nothing to do with them. And they were... Anybody, they were grabbing and they were kicking. And nobody touched me. And the roads were covered from both sides. Scars. Police, there were hundreds of them. And from far away, this officer who was watching. The policemen were calling, pulling them on the ground and beating them up. He was calling me. Yo! And I just put my head down. And then one policeman came to me and said to me, you are called there. Uh, why you single me out? I don't know. But what came to my heart? I said, Hezbollah and i am And When I came to him, he said to me, what are you doing here? I said, I'm just going home. He said, this is not the time to walk in these places. He called one car. Take him home. He, they drove me home. The only thing that came to my mind at that moment is Nothing else. I was not frightened. If they touch me I will not touch them. I'm not I had never fought in my life anybody. I had never raised my hand to hit anybody. I had never said to anybody something to upset them or to swear at them. This is not our culture. Our culture is the culture of Muhammad sallallahu He sallallahu never raised his hand to hit anybody. He, sallallahu alayhi wa never used his tongue to insult, demean, or put down anybody. Ma'kan الله Never cursed a man, never insulted a man, never sweared at a man. And today we see our people, they are in the mosque. They want to ask the Imam advice. If they don't find what he is saying appropriate, they insult him. They swear at him. Foul language. I say, أعوذ بالله من الشيطان rajeem so, here, the lesson for us from this battle, the verse Allah has revealed here, is to show us we should have no fear. After 11 September, many Muslims were frightened. Some women came to me, Shall we take our scarf off? Some of them are telling me one another, Yeah, 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 we should. At the time of difficulty, Allah says the haram can be eaten, so we can take our scarf off. I said, me. Now they're all muftis. Nobody who have got a mind or a heart will just make fatwa like that. The fatwa have got men who will make fatwa. Not everybody is mufti. Not everybody is a mufassir. Not everybody is okay, a the muhaddis. These are specialist fields. A mufti, the mufti, he knows what he's doing. He understands the Quran. He understands the sunnah. He understands even the traditions of the cultures of the people where they live. So if somebody wants to give a fatwa in Britain, he should have a power of the Quran and a power of the Hadith, but the understanding of the culture where we live. A mufti from any other country cannot give me a fatwa. That's my reality. And that's why we are confused in this country. Somebody sitting far away in Timbuktu giving me a fatwa in London doesn't make sense. He doesn't know how London is, how people live in London. So, therefore, when we came to this country in the 70s, we asked al azhar University, we need muftis who can be of position of understanding the language, understanding the haqiqa or the reality of living in this place. Because a fatwa in Egypt is for the Egyptians. A fatwa in Saudi Arabia is for the Saudis. A fatwa in England for those who live in England. And this is what you need to think about. Yeah? Why we are having a lot of difficulties? Because we are not understanding what is going on. Lots of the things. So be very careful. Really be very careful. We're living at a dangerous time. Not everybody in Islam knows everything. If somebody came to me and said to me, Sheikh, give me a fatwa, I say, No, I'm not a mufti. I, will, I know who the mufti in Britain is. I can send you to a mufti who knows exactly how to give a fatwa. Because he understands the Quran inside out and he was trained in Al Asharah, the mufti. This is his job. He's like a mathematician. One plus one equal two. He knows. But he will not tell you otherwise. But if you ask him other things, he will say, this is not my field. Some people go to him, he send them to me to answer what I know. I will only answer what I know. In my field, I was trained. So, my understanding of the Seerah of the Prophet is to take from it and to do that which will make your life easy. For he, sallallahu alayhi wa said, yassir wa la make easy, don't make it difficult. But today, a lot of people are making life difficult for people around them. Okay? Wa wa Take care, inshallah. Okay? Then Allah says in the end of the verse, or verse 175, Fear only coming from shaytan, for he put fear in the heart of those who befriend him. Okay? ألا إن awliya لا خوف عليهم. Indeed, those who are close to Allah, no fear will enter their heart. ألا إن لا خوف عليهم. But the awliya of shaitan, they will be frightened. They will be worried. They will be running away. Allah said, فلا تخافوهم. Don't fear them. Don't fear the friend of shaitan. But fear me in If you are truly believing in me. If you trust in Allah then your trust should be shown in courage. If you believe in Allah, then your faith in Allah should be of his strength. If you truly honor yourself, then your honoring can only be with Allah. In al All the honor is for Allah. If you want to be honored, you cannot be honored without Allah. Not by shaitan, not by dunya, not by wealth. By Allah Almighty God, the richest man, the most powerful, educated human being. Today, when Allah tests them, they will say, if there is anybody there who can do anything, I'll give everything. So what? You are not going to, your dunya is not going to help you. you. You need to have Allah. I want people to be strong. Not strong physically. Yes, look after your body and be strong. Not strong mind-wise, becoming intellectually intelligent. No, no. Be strong in your heart let your heart be courageous like all those companions of rasul who fought like him okay now allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to finish this lesson today of the battle of uhud spoke to all the people of uhud the prophet went and addressed them he says assalamu alaikum ahla uhud. Peace be upon you people of uhud did you find what your Lord has promised you through? The companion said, ya Allah, أموات, They have died. Will they hear you? He said, they hear me like I hear you. But you don't hear them. They are living. They are alive. But then he says, Allah has addressed them too. And listen what the Prophet said about them as reported by Bukhari, Allah says to those people who died, the 70 men, who died in Uhud, tamannu ma Wish whatever you need from me and I will fulfill for you. What did they say? Oh Allah, put us in the highest place with Muhammad Did they say, Oh Allah, please allow us to have the best pleasure in the hereafter. Oh Allah, give us this or give us that. They didn't ask anything like that. They asked simple things. They said, okay, return us once back again to the dunya to be with your Prophet to fight with him to be killed again that's what they want they found pleasure in being with the Prophet are we finding that pleasure when we stand doing our salah when we recite what the Prophet recited he says salu kamara Pray like I am praying. And I always remind people, even your salah when you stand should be like Muhammad Sallam. Should be like Muhammad Sallam. In everything you do. The scholars who did what they did, they didn't do it out of ignorance. People say today, it's not important to read what Imam Ahmad ibn Hanbal or Abu Hanifa or Malik or Shafi'i or Sufyan al thawri or Hassan al-Bisri have written. We don't want to know this. So where are you going to get your knowledge from, my brother? I'm getting it from the Qur'an and the Sunnah. I will say, oh you ignorant one, who collected this Qur'an for you? Did you just get it like that? Did Allah give it to you direct? And who gave you the Sunnah? What is the Sunnah you are reading? If it is not in these books of those men who wrote it. Wallah, this is really sad. They read those books and they say, I'm thinking about it. But they collected the Sunnah. They did it. Where can I find the Sunnah? Is it in the Muwatta? Is it written okay in Musnad Ahmad Musnad Al-Shafi'i Abu Hanifa it's written in these books the fiqh written there they are the fuqaha they have given us the teaching they, but the Prophet made us understand that we must follow him following him these men they did and therefore their example is important to us and when we pray by the way we fed the Kaaba because it is the qibla of the body Kaaba min al-raml Al Kaaba is from this earth and the bodies are from this earth. So we face the Kaaba, But the Prophet is from Allah and the believers are from Muhammad. <laughs> I am from Allah and the believers are from me. Qibla tul Muhammad. The direction of the ruh is Sayyidina Muhammad. Sallam. So when we go to the grave of rasulullah and we face him and the brothers who are ignorant and they say, face the qibla, your answer should be the qibla that way is the for Salah. But the ruh of Muhammad is here. I am facing the ruh. And if they say, but you are making du'a, you should put your hand in du'a, facing the qibla, say, the du'a, why we do this? Because the qibla of the du'a is the heavens. Imam Malik says so, Rahmatullah علي. So we need to understand how to address people, because a lot of ignorance is going around. Young kids, like I see in front of me in universities, they find young kids are muftis, mufassreen. They, sometimes they don't understand nothing, and they tell them, no, no, this is bid'ah, this is haram, this is dalal, this is… And they don't even understand what the difference between these things. They just speaks, okay, like parrots. Now, Jabir ibn Abdullah al-Ansari, the father of Abdullah, the, the companion, died in the battle. The Prophet وسلم, when he talked about Allah addressing the 70 shaheed of Uhud, he looked for Abdullah. Yeah, Abdullah Abdullah was so worried because his father is killed. Look at this good son. The only thing in his mind, my father borrowed a lot of things and there is nothing to repay back on his name. And when people die and their debt is not paid, it's not good for them. We must immediately pay. And in fact, if you hear somebody has died and they're going to bury them, ask, usually ask, do they have a debt if they said and you can pay Pay on their behalf. It will be good for you in the day of judgment. Give it a qard hasan to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on their behalf. The Prophet says, you always ask when a janazah comes, does this person have any debt? If they said yes, does he have anything to pay? They say no. Who will pay on his behalf? Until they pay, then he prays. So, Abdullah, was running around worried. The Prophet said, what are you worried about? Your father was addressed by Allah but ya abdullah Jabir wa the good man Allah addressed everybody okay behind the veil but your father without a veil he says to him in the statement the prophet sallam said okay in Allah called the people of Uhud from behind a veil in Allah called the people of Uhud from behind a veil and called your father Kifaa Allah spoke to the people of Uhud from behind the veil, but your father directly. Because his father was a good man. Then he said, Ya Rasulullah, but he had a lot of debt. He said, Don't worry about that. I will deal with it. Today I am for him, I am his witness. Go and collect whatever your father left, and I will come and I will pay on his behalf. So Abdullah Iran. He was so ashamed. He found just a little container with date at home. There's nothing else. The Prophet came from far away, Salah Abdullah. Have you got it? He said, Yes, but it's too little. So I said, just bring a big sheet. He brought a big sheet. He said, spread it. He said, pour whatever you have in the middle. Go and call everybody your father is indebted to. He called everybody, and Abdullah said, Rasfalullah, this is too little. He said, that I was looking at the Prophet. He was sitting and he was saying to the people, How much. You need from him. And he will tell how many, okay? Weight-wise. And he will fill and give them. Until he gave them all, he said, by Allah Almighty God, when he finished paying everybody, I didn't know the data I gave to him was more or less than what he did after he finished. He didn't know from the bark of wasallam This is here, the faith. Here, if you have faith in Allah, Allah will give you anything you want. Depend upon him. Ask of him. Tend to him. Seek from him. Tend to none but him. Never fear any makhluq. Do you understand? Never fear any makhluq. The person who breaks the laws of Allah deliberately, and he knows it is wrong to do that, and does not fulfill his duties to Allah, Allah will make him frightened from every creature. However, the person who is obedient to Allah, following the teaching of Rasulullah Sallam, Allah will make every creature frightened from them. Do you understand? Man Allah, a khaf kulla Whosoever fears Allah, Allah will make everything frightened from Him. So may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala fulfill for me and for you and allow us to receive from His bounty that which will make us, can you bring the books please? The best to make us the best of the people in this world and in the hereafter. May Allah forgive us, may Allah guide us, may Allah strengthen us, may Allah give us tafir. InshaAllah, as I was saying to the brothers before you came, that Inshallah from next week, maqrib is going to be almost quarter to nine. Okay, next Saturday. So if please, we can start our halaqah at past 7, before Makrib. past 7, we start the seerah, and then, inshallah, we pray Makrib. And between Makrib and Isha, we can do our salawat and some dhikr. And then, when Isha, because Isha is going to go later, inshallah, then we can finish and we can go home. Especially because there are some <coughs> sisters and they need to go home.